Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Talk Low Vision, brought to you by the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. My name is Dr. Bill Takesta, and I'll be your host tonight as we talk about a subject that I am very, very interested in, and that is traveling with low vision. I know that when I first developed my vision impairment, I was about 43 years old, and uh, it was so difficult for me to give up my car and my driver's license, and I was so afraid to go anywhere, whether it was a bus, a cab, anywhere. I just didn't have any confidence, and I literally stayed home for, you know, every day. I just stayed home unless my wife was going to take me and uh, guide me there. But I, I soon learned that mobility training and the use of the cane, it was something I really, really did not want to accept. But it really was so helpful, and I have learned so many other types of tricks and, and things about travel. So this evening, we have a really very, very excellent speaker by the name of Kathy Schmidt-Whitaker. Many of you have known Kathy for many years, and she has been visually impaired since birth. But that hasn't stopped her from traveling. She has traveled to half of all the states in the United States, and she has also traveled to over 14 different countries. And this evening, she's going to share with us some tips and tricks and ideas so that we could travel, whether we travel alone or we travel with other people who have vision impairment, or when we travel with people who have normal vision. So welcome to the show, Kathy. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Bill. Yes. And, uh, you know, why don't you just tell everybody what it is that you are doing nowadays and about, about your history? Sure. I was born legally blind with low vision, and I always had a sense of adventure, a streak of wanting to explore and figure out what's around that corner or across the stream. And so I grew up um, playing in the in the streams, uh, creeks, um, hiking, and really being able to explore my my environment. Um, my parents were a little concerned because I yes. was always trying to something new and different. In my early 20s, I began to lose some of my the eyesight that I did have, the low vision. So I became more low vision than before. And once I started using a white cane, I actually realized that I was treated better and, got, and uh, people assisted me more than when I didn't use it. And so it really became more of an asset to me, and I didn't have to worry about, oh, am I going to miss that step? Am I not going to see that step down? And so I understand the the hesitancy people have, um, but I would encourage people to give it a try, as you said, Bill, in terms of that mobility training and having more of a sense of independence is what using the white cane gave me as well. I still have uh, low vision. I am. I can see color and I can see shapes and objects. However, they aren't always that clear. Uh, my eye, fl- my eyesight fluctuates from being able to see pretty clearly to not be having 
blurry vision. And I like to say, if you're underwater and looking up through the water, it's like looking through the the, the panes of water, the um, oh. pools of water. Uh, Kathy, what is what is your eye diagnosis? That's a very interesting condition where you have days where your vision is clearer than others. Well, I have several diagnoses. I don't have to worry about growing old because I already have them all. (laughs) (laughs) So I was born with an undeveloped optic nerve and cataract. The cataracts were removed when I was like five and six years old. In my left eye, uh, my retina splintered off and detached, so I have no eyesight in my left eye. In my right eye, I have less than 2,600 eyesight, so uh, I can see fingers in front of me, and I can see large objects uh, in good sight, in good light. Um, I also have the condition of a of glaucoma, congenital glaucoma, and I have a cornea abrasion and calcium deposits forming on the cornea. My gosh, when... When the doctor sees you, I'm certain that he wants to bring in the interns and residents because <laughs> they get the chance to see everything there with you. Yes, actually, they're always very interested and find me to be an interesting um, person to, to take a look at. You know, I don't think in all the years that I was a doctor, I have never seen a patient who's had eye conditions on each layer of the eye. It's mm-hmm. from the front of the eye, the cornea. Mm-hmm. You have the cataracts. Mm-hmm. It's affected the retina and the optic nerve. Oh, and I've ended up the optic nerve as well. I was born with that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I would imagine, though, you must have been read up in one of the journals, uh, your condition. That's very rare. Well, I was written up in a journal. It was actually having to do with a glaucoma procedure um, where the, conjun- the the graft disappeared. It was a Maltino implant, and there was a test, and the, uh, the graft disappeared, and it went into the conjunctive tissue in the back of the eye, and I was one, only one person out of the entire study that that happened to. Wow, wow. And, uh, and they don't know why. And so when I was in college when that happened, and so I was able to use that for my quasi-experimental research project. So that was pretty fun. (laughs) Now, you know, the first question I want to ask you about Mm -hmm. travel, since you have been visually impaired all, all of your life, was there a reason that the teachers in elementary school didn't refer you for orientation mobility to learn to use a cane or did they ever discuss a guide dog for you? I think because I felt that I had pretty good usable vision that they did not. I w- uh, did have an orientation mobility instructor uh, guide me on u- uh, taking the bus, how to use the bus when I was in sixth grade. And so I, I, my final exam was to take the bus from school to the ice skating rink. Oh, okay. And I bet you passed that with flying colors, didn't you? Uh, no, because oh, the, no. when I got on the bus, the bus driver told me about a shortcut that I could take, and I took that instead of following the long process that the O&M instructor provided. And so she said I didn't follow the instructions. And I got there like a half an hour earlier, but she didn't <laughs> think that that was <laughs> the vision who take public transit, know that when you can get there earlier, that's better. Oh, gosh. Uh, so 
Was there ever a time then, as you got older and you were in college, you did realize that the cane is very helpful and people treat you a lot better with a cane, but was there ever a decision for you to get a dog, a guide dog? I actually signed up three times and then I backed out three times. I decided after the third time that I really wasn't ready to do that, uh, to use a guide dog. And while I, I had friends that had them, I felt I wanted to be in control, I think it was, and I was concerned that I would not allow the guy, the dog to guide me if I, because I had enough usable eyesight that I would probably respond if I saw something. And you, and when you're using a guide dog, you can't respond um, if you see a step or if you see something in front of you. You want the dog to take the initiative. And so I didn't. I felt that um, that I might have some difficulties. Since then, over the years, and my eyesight decreased. I've thought about it, and then I've had some friends with similar eyesight that I have. Uh, who have gotten guide dogs, and they, and I've asked them that question about the eyesight um, situation, and they say, oh, they teach you how to navigate and not use your eyesight to allow the dog to, um, to do it, and they feel freer. And so I'm still toying with the idea of a guide dog. Uh, now, we're, we're talking with Kathy Schmidt-Whitaker, who's talented about how she has been low vision all of her life. And how about now, Kathy, uh, do you work, and, and is your work close to your home, or do you work out of home? Yes, I do work. I work at Cal Poly Pomona University with the Accessible Technology Initiative in our Information Technology Division, and I live 3.8 miles away from home. So while I could walk to work, and I have walked here, uh, here before training for uh, a marathon, um, it, there really isn't the suitable sidewalks to, to do the walking, and so I take the bus oftentimes, or I uh, sometimes uh, have be, um, and picked up by uh, a friend or my spouse. Now, now tell us about... The, the local transportation services, I'm talking about, you know, the metro buses or the yellow cabs, and uh, mm-hmm. I know that there's a lot of people who do use those, and are there, are there any special privileges that people who use a cane or have a ID card that demonstrates that they're visually impaired, do they have any benefits on the local bus or taxi cabs? I live in Los Angeles County, and within Los Angeles County, I also um, have signed up for the paratransit service, the access services, which is run through the local transportation system, in our case, metropolitan transportation system. And that, and if you have a paratransit bus pass, you can ride for free on the, on the buses in themselves. And so I do do ride. Um, I do show my pass when I do ride the bus. Sometimes the driver will not, you know, says the cane isn't in itself uh, sufficient, and other drivers feel it is. So I do usually use my pass. I do take the bus to work. Um, I 
I actually just recently, a week ago, sprained my ankle. And so I have been taking Uber um, to work the last couple of days so that I could, uh, because I walk a mile from the bus stop into work. And so to rest my ankle, I was taking Uber, which um, worked out pretty conveniently as well. I like the Uber service uh, because it's right there, immediate. And it's pretty. It's direct and pretty affordable compared to if I was to take a, a true taxi cab. Um, and then paratransit here, you need to sign up um, a day in advance. Now, getting back to Uber and Lyft, if a person is low vision, do these programs offer any discount to a person who has uh, low vision? I, not in my area. As far as I know, I believe that in Boston that they are piloting Uber, Lyft um, as part of their paratransit system. And I think that's really exciting and would wish that L.A. would do that as well and other places. Um, But that's the only one that I've heard of. You know what's also very interesting? I also live in Los Angeles, and a lot of my friends, you know, they're telling me that when they go to concerts or certain ball games and things now, they actually don't even drive to the games anymore and that they take Uber or Lyft because the cost of taking Uber or Lyft is cheaper than the parking. The parking right. at some of these events are mm-hmm. $45 now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. amazing. It is. Now, now, when do you actually use the things such as access services, the the paratransit, as compared to uh, taking the metro bus. I know you said you could take the metro bus for free, but when do you decide to take the paratransit? These are the, they're usually vans, aren't they? It can either be a van or a taxi, and I usually take paratransit when I am going to a place that I do not frequent on a regular basis. So I may, for example, go to when I go to my eye doctor's, that's um, uh, in Arcadia, which is a distance away from where I live, and I only go there a couple times a year, I'll take um, paratransit because it will take me to the uh, to where the location of the building is, whereas I don't know the bus route um, to, to get there and the navigating, figuring out where the building is because there's several buildings and the bus stops. So I find that if places where I don't frequent often, I will use paratransit. When I am going to places that I will go to on a regular basis, I will try to figure out the um, the schedule and take the um, the bus uh, as much as I can because I like the opportunity to kind of do it on the schedule I want to do it versus with paratransit, calling you know, calling up and getting a ride, maybe not the time you really want it, but at a different time. And what is generally the price that it costs to take the paratransit to access services? Um, paratransit, for me, depending on where you go, it can vary. So oftentimes it will range from about 275 to or 50, depending on where I'm going in the county. And what happens if it is where you want to take your husband with you as well? But uh, uh, if your husband has uh, normal vision, 
would they let a, a person or more than one person ride with you to that location? When signing up for paratransit, you're asked in regards to uh, would it be helpful to have somebody who would be in attendance with you, so a personal uh, care attendant or PCA, and I always say yes, that it would be, so that I can have a PCA designated and then my husband can also go along with me. And it really helps if I'm going to a place where I've never been before uh, to have that type of assistance if it's available. But I would encourage people when they go through, typically to sign up for the paratransit, when you go through that process, they do ask questions about your comfort level, um, about or you know how how familiar are you when you go different places? And I say be honest about your feelings when you go to an unfamiliar place. How you know how do you feel? Um, how much can you really see or not see? Um, what, how much of a challenge is it? And that it would be helpful to have to be able to have somebody go with you that is sighted that could provide some assistance, and then you could um, possibly receive the. The, assist, uh, the personal care attendant or the PCA as being a, an additional rider that doesn't need to, to um, pay when they ride along with you. Wow, that, that's really, really great. So it's really very, very worthwhile to sign up for paratransit, isn't it? Yes, it is. It may take a long time to get to to go through that interview process um, in Los Angeles. I recently did it, uh, renewed my paratransit in July, and had to go through an inter- You had to do a paper pro- uh, application, which was not accessible, and so I asked them why they did oh, not have gosh. it available electronically, and <laughs> uh, and I scanned it in myself and did it, but. Um, they did have it on the website, but it wasn't fillable, and so I oh. I changed that for myself, and you know, and asked for them to do that for future folks. Um, and so after that, then they they said I needed to go through an interview process, and that interview process took a good four hours. But the result was that at the end of the process, I was determined to be eligible for the service, um, and that is really the end result is what you're going for, not the, the time-consuming um, wow. day that it takes <laughs> to get I didn't to know them. that it was that long of an interview, though. Wow. Yeah. Well, with the ride, so they, they, can, they can pick you up and take you, and then you do the interview process, and then they, they schedule your ride to return. So while I did a lot of sitting around, um, the interview process itself took probably about 30 minutes, um, but it did take a, a while. I mean, I sat for a good hour and a half. Take something to read is okay. my, my uh, suggestion so that you can <laughs> occupy yourself. Yeah. Now, now, what are some of your recommendations when, uh, let's say that we want to travel and visit a relative or a friend who is in a different part of the United States or even in a different country, and uh, let's first start out with, flying to these locations, what kinds of advice and tips do you have there? Because it could be very frightening going to the airport and not having anybody there to help to direct you where to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, it can be. When, and I've taken airport shuttle. I've taken Uber. I've uh, taken um, the paratransit to the airport before, uh, as well as had other people um, 
friends and things drop me off, I would say definitely feel free to ask, could you please guide me to the, to some, somebody inside, to a ticket counter, or oh, guide okay. me to a ticket agent or to a security person. And I usually give, you know, if the, if the driver that does that, I usually give them a little bit more of a tip. I give them probably about 15%. Uh, 20% of a tip, depending, because to me that's worth it. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, to get to receive that assistance. I do know some other folks that say, no, I want to do it all on my own. Well, and that's fine. They can do that. I I would prefer to receive that assistance. And then when I'm at the, the gate, uh, or I'm sorry, at the ticket counter, I do ask for a, guide, a sighted guide assistance to the, um, to the, um, what do you call it, the, the gate. You board, the gate, uh-huh. thank you, the gate. Uh, and then when the sighted guy assistant comes, sometimes they'll have a wheelchair, and I'm sure many of our folks here probably have had that experience. So I say, oh, great, a place to put my carry-on bag. And then they go, oh, no, just a minute. <laughs> and they'll go put it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that way, yeah, because I don't want to, I don't want to sit in, in a wheelchair because I want to walk. Because um, I'll be sitting on the plane enough. Yeah, I, right. I yeah. And so I found that that's a really good way to <laughs> to spur them off. <laughs> uh, I then also um, wear shoes that are slip on, off and on, and socks. So because oftentimes I will need to take off my shoes when going through the security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right, will right. also um, keep the. I will keep a separate. Make sure I have a separate compartment, zipped um, compartment, that I can keep my ticket and my ID in. Um, so I don't have to worry about how, taking it in and out of my wallet. And I can also put it in a place I can remember, um, because you'll need to show it a couple of times. I oftentimes like to. Um, do some things before I actually get to the gate. So after security, yeah. I'll ask the person to assist me from the security. I'll say, well, you know, there's a couple of places I'd like to stop um, before we get to the gate. One, I'd like to stop at. A, I'd like to use the restroom. Yeah. Two, I'd like to um, purchase a bottle of water. And three, oftentimes I'd like to stop a place to get a coffee, like a mocha. And that mo- the place I get the mocha can be the same place as getting a, a bottle of water, or I can get a bottle of water someplace else. Um, and you know, and more than often than not, they are willing to accommodate that. Um, and they will, I, you know, and sometimes I'll even suggest, well, here's the be- here's the best place to buy the bottle of water. Oh, and because <laughs> <laughs> you get the bigger size and most expensive. Uh, and you know, and then. Um, Sometimes they'll say, "Well, do you, do you ma- does it matter what order it's in? Because we're going to go by the coffee place before we go to the restroom." And I will say, "That's okay, but can you hold the coffee while I'm yeah I'm going to the restroom?" Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and and they'll say, "Okay." Um, and so I you know so I see I feel that they are there to provide assistance, and I have the right to have the same pleasure of an experience in the airport as other guests. Um, and so, and I'm contributing to the economy of the airport. So I would encourage people to consider doing that um, when they, even if they're using a sighted guy for assistance, don't feel that you must only do it from the, uh, the 
ticket counter to the gate. Oh, that is great. That is really, really great. Now, I know that there is uh, a lot of times when I fly, I fly on Southwest, and uh, they they often will allow me to board first. But, Kathy, do you have... Do you have suggestions on where to sit in the plane? I have some preferences. I'd also like to to share another tip prior to board, to boarding. Oh yeah, please. When I get to when I get to the gate, I always ask to sit in you know in the area that's close to the gate where um, they may have it reserved. And and I ask what direction? Where's the gate? Where's the gate door? located. Is it to my left or my right? Um, and I get a sense of how far away it is because I'd like to know where um, the activity will be when people start getting ready to board the flight that I'm on. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's, that's right. helpful. Mm-hmm. In terms of being on the plane, I personally prefer to sit in like the third or fourth row of the plane. Um, of course, I'd like to sit in, sit in first class, but I'm typically not <laughs> doing that. <laughs> but if that is a monopsis, I do like to sit in like the third or fourth row personally because I like to keep my carry-on underneath the seat close to me so that I can access it when I want something. Um, that I know that people, other people prefer to put their carry-on up above in the overhead bin, and oh. they'd like to have that room for their feet. I don't mind. Yeah, I can, uh, I'm okay, you know, having my feet there with my, my carry-on. Um, but I like to ac- be able to access my carry-on and my water and stuff during the flight. I also uh, don't like the bulkhead because uh, for the reason I like to have my carry-on um, in front of me, and I don't like sitting in the row uh, before the emergency exit row, because the seats don't recline. Oh, okay. Uh huh. That's good to know. And then now, by not sitting in the emergency exit row, since I can't see that well. Now, do do you prefer to sit on the aisle or all the way in near the window when you travel alone? I prefer to sit to sit by the window because mm-hmm. I feel I have more space. Yes. Yes. Wow, that is very, very good. Now, now, when when you do finally land at your your destination, do you actually have to then call for an escort at that point in time, or uh, did you make that arrangement when you actually uh, uh, took off and said, you know, I'd like to have an escort when I land? Um, when when at the ticket counter to check in for the first flight, that's when I would say that I'd like a, a sighted guide assistance to the to the air, um, board, and then I'd like it um, when I either change planes or when I arrive at my destination. And so I do it up front. And actually, they have it on the online, on the, um, the website. If you uh, check in, if you uh, book your trip online, uh-huh. Some airlines actually ask that question, and oh. so you can indicate it on the, um, when you're uh, filling out your online um, ticket as well. Now, I, I know that Kathy, you have traveled, you know, all over the United States and the world, so you probably have a lot of experience with different airlines. Have you found that there are certain airlines that are 
a bit more friendly or uh, more convenient for a person who has low vision than others? I really like Air New Zealand. They're oh, they're very nice um, <laughs> folks, and uh, I flew to New Zealand on them, and it was wonderful. In terms of being particularly low vision friendly, one of the areas that um, a couple of airlines are taking a lead on, and I apologize, I don't remember, uh, and maybe towards the end of the session somebody else will. Uh, but what I find is that when looking at, you know, viewing movies or TV shows or the things on, you know, the screen on the front of the seat in front of you, um, that the that's I I cannot read that myself. My eyesight is not that good. For somebody with low vision, they may be able to, um, but they the I found the the um, airline personnel to be very accommodating uh, in regards to that and being willing to share, you know, the, um, the different shows and read the different shows. I, I, it'd be wonderful when they do have that, um, the, that more accessible, uh, and you know, the audio description for the different menus and the choices that you have, like a TV, like t- TVs do now. And there is an airline that, I- that, um, that came out that said that they are doing that on their fleet, uh, are going to be doing that on their fleet of, of airplanes, and I don't remember which it is. Wow, that'll be really, really good. Do you uh, take special earplugs, earbuds, or headphones so that if you are watching a movie or listening to music from the screen in front of you, do you do you bring your own, or do you tend to use those that are provided by the airline? I tend to use the ones provided by the airline. Um, however, I did learn, and I was uh, this bothers. Yeah, this is upsetting to me. But <laughs> when you have a like, I have an iPhone, and I have the wireless, the Bluetooth headphones. You cannot use Bluetooth headphones with your iPhone when you're in airplane mode. It doesn't work. And oh, really? so you need to have plugged. You need to have the cable to plug in the phone, the the headphones into the phone. And with the you know with the new iPhones and not having the uh, headphone jack, that's one reason why I don't I don't like that that new um, change that they had made a couple of years ago. Um, but that's really um, annoying. Um, because yeah. one time I went um, thinking I was going to be able to review my information on my iPhone, and I couldn't, unless I wanted everybody else to hear it, I couldn't listen to my iPhone in the air. Oh, God, that's good information. No, I, I would not have expected that. Now, Kathy, I know that you also have been to different countries. What happens when you go to a different country? You land at their airport, and there is an escort who takes you to the ground transportation. How did you manage to either communicate with a taxi driver or uh, other transportation to get you to your hotel or wherever you were going to be staying? How did you prepare for that? In thinking about it, I actually have not been to a non-English speaking country on my own to oh, okay. to navigate that. Okay. Uh, 
I one thing to for tra- for folks that are going to be traveling, and I know that we have probably some really experienced travelers listening, and we have some travelers that ha- you know some people that want to do traveling. And so, if I can just add a tip for those that want to do traveling, uh, when you fly to another country, you will need to um, receive a card. Um, to enter in a, a customs card that you'll have to give at customs once you land and show your passport um, and your customs card. Make sure before you leave the airplane that you have a customs card. Um, Air New Zealand was great. They gave it to you when you first got on the plane after you took off. And they said, hold on to this. Um, you know, And it was wonderful. I had a friend that recently flew out of the country, and they didn't do that. And she was sleeping when they came by towards the end of the flight, and she didn't get a custom card. And it was her first time fly, flying internationally and didn't realize that she had missed it. And so it's important to... Um, to make sure that you receive a customs card before you exit the plane. Oh, I, you know what? I, I have never heard anything about a customs card like that. That's great information. Or a card that you have to complete to and share when you when you show your passport and enter into a new country. Oh, okay. So they may call it something other than customs, but mm-hmm. it's a card that you have to say if you're bringing any um, any any perishable items into the country. Oh, okay. Now, what other types of uh, tips and tricks have you learned over the years as far as maybe, uh, you know, where's where's the best place to stay? Or when you go to hotels, do you ask for specific types of rooms, something that's perhaps closer to the elevator? Or what other suggestions do you have that would make our lives easier? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I tend to – I don't like um, – Staying in a room close to the closest to the elevator because I don't like hearing the elevator. (laughs) (laughs) So I tend to ask for something that is midway down the hall, and that way you tend to be you know a little bit farther away from the um, the elevator. If I've been to some place before, if I conference, I tend to ask where the conference setup will be. And we'll try to get a, a hotel room, like in uh, around that area, or in that's accessed by an elevator around that area. Sometimes there are different sets of elevators that are uh, so may, one set might be closer to the conference sessions, and the other set might be farther away. Okay, that's a, that's that's a good good suggestion to be near that conference room. I also, I do ask for the bell person to assist me up to the room or um, somebody from the hotel to assist me up to the room. And then in the room, I I give them third degree. (laughs) I ask about the thermostat in the room, what's it set at, how do you change the controls, is it something that I can do by feel. Uh, what, what does the remote control look like, and how does it work? And I'll turn on the TV, and I'll flip the channels and raise and lower the volume so that yeah. I know how to work that. Yeah. Yeah. I will ask them to share with me what's, in, what's on the counter in the bathroom, well, what's the shampoo, what's the conditioner, et cetera. And I'll, uh, if I can, I'll either um, 
tear off or like a corner of the shampoo, like the upper left-hand corner of the shampoo and the upper right-hand corner of the conditioner so I can distinguish the two. Or I will, if they don't, if they're solid, uh, no, you know, label, I will put them on different different places in the shower. And that way, uh, you know, and the same with the lotion, a different place on the counter, and that way I know um, where things are. Ah, that's very smart. Gosh, I, I have never done that, but I've run into a lot of problems in hotel rooms. <laughs> you know? Yes. Thank if I you. may also add another suggestion. So recently I am on some I'm taking some medication that needs to stay refrigerated. And I recently traveled and went, Oh, what do I do? And I realized that um if I, I froze grapes and freezing grapes, they lasted for, uh, they actually lasted about eight hours. And I oh. was able to keep my medication chilled for that long. So I, I, I froze them, and then I put them with the refrigerated medication in an insulated bag. And that way it got through security without having to have ice, but they also remained chilled. That is brilliant. That is oh, thank brilliant. Thank you. I thought that was pretty smart of myself. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of myself. <laughs> wow. Well, um, do you have any other suggestions, or uh, would you like to open it up to questions? One more, uh, two more tips I'd like to offer. Yeah, please. Um, one is I had deodorant, and it broke when I was uh, traveling last. And so I went up to the front counter and I asked if they had a travel pack because most hotels have a travel pack and that includes deodorant, a razor, um, shaving cream, sometimes even thread and a needle. And they actually had a travel pack and gave me a a thing of deodorant. And somebody then told me um, afterwards that same a stick, a stick of deodorant that I got for free at the you know from asking at the front desk actually cost five dollars in the um, <laughs> in the gift store. Really, so always try the front desk first. Is that right? And they actually yeah. gave it to you? Oh yeah. Oh, it, for years. <laughs> they always have, yeah. all hotels have it because they you know especially um, you know every you know holiday inns everything. I don't know if a motel six would have it, but yeah. other hotels do. And they keep them because they you know, oftentimes they'll have travelers that forget something, or they may have their luggage didn't make it with them. And they have, and especially if you if your luggage doesn't make it with you, ask the hotel what is it that they can assist you with providing. Oh. You know, as well. The other tip that I have is that I like to work out uh, when I travel, and I know that Leslie, a couple other folks on the phone do as well. And so I always ask, um, I call up, and um, and especially if I haven't been to the gym first, I'll call up and I'll ask for this, you know, I'll say that I'm low vision and I want to go to the gym to work out. Can somebody assist me? And they will send up a, somebody from security who will um, walk with me from my room to the gym location. And if it's a pretty decent path that I can follow, then I can get back on my own. Um, and once I'm in the gym, then I'll see if, is it, do they have accessible workout ma- machines? If they do, wonderful. They get a bonus star in my, my book. <laughs> and some hotels do. Uh, and then if they don't, then I'll have the security person kind of orient me to the room, to where the different machi- what machines they are, to where they are, and how to, um, to control them. 
Um, and then oftentimes uh, in the gyms, they will have uh, water that's available, as well as some places will even have fruit available for oh. uh, for folks um, as well. But I think that, you know, that um, when, you know, the gym is a great place and don't feel that if you work out that you can't work out because you're traveling because there is security folks from, you know, um, across the country are accustomed to doing it, um, you know, as well. And, uh, and sometimes they don't work out themselves and they're like, oh, this is a reminder I really should work out and I'm not sure how to use this machine. <laughs> so having some sense of how to operate it is helpful. <laughs> The other thing, if I might add, that I've done yes. when I've gone to a conference uh, for work where there's a lot of different sessions and rooms, I will ask, actually ask the hotel if somebody from security can orient me to the hotel, walk me through um, the hotel and the different uh, you know, uh, where the different rooms will be, um, because oftentimes the material may not be provided in an accessible format. Uh, or kind of the location of the different rooms and sessions, and um, and that's something that I will I will communicate ahead of time with the conference organizers about the need for accessible materials, and hopefully that will be provided. Gosh, you know, Kathy, these are such wonderful tips and suggestions, and you know they're actually all very easy to do. It's really mm-hmm. a matter of asking. Yes, a matter of asking and thinking through what you want to do and how you can uh, make it more uh, easier. Wow, this is really good. Well, Kathy, let's open it up to some questions. I know we have a lot of people. I think this might be one of our most popular topics, and you have the biggest audience we've had. So I'd like to give them a chance to ask you questions. So. If any of you have a a question for Kathy, go ahead and unmute your phone and say your name and ask your question. Kathy? Yes. This is Kathy Farina. Hi. Do you have have any packing tips? I I like to um, go simple. And so what I tend to do is I will lay out um, my some clothing, and I'll say, okay, my I'll be gone for five days. My base will be taking three pairs of black pants, and with the idea that I might be, uh, I'll probably be wearing uh, one or two of the pairs a second time, um, and uh, you know the third pairs in case I get I spill something, <laughs> you know, or I you know, or it's taking into consideration what I'm wearing that day, on, you know, for flying as well. And then I will match it with a, uh, several different blouses or shirts that are different for each of the days. Um, so I will change you know, the top um, each day. And then I'll take one or two, let's say, jackets. Let's say I'm going to some place where it's a conference and I know I'm going to be cold because it typically is cold in hotels. Then I'll take you know, one or two you know, jackets that will match uh, or, you know, you can color coordinate with the different uh, things. Um, if I'm traveling for pleasure, I may say, okay, I'm going to take uh, three pairs of shorts and two pairs of jeans or something like that. I, tr- you know, And I try to lay out and figure out what I would wear each day so that I pack lighter. I used to pack a lot, and I've, got, I've gotten better. I've been able to pack lighter these days. I roll up my clothing when I pack so that they do tend to not... Um, 
wrinkle as much. And then I personally like to take some uh, cloth bags or Ziploc bags in which I will put, like with the Ziploc bags, I will um, put all my underwear into the Ziploc bag or I'll put all of my socks into the Ziploc bag because I find it easier to have all my socks in one location and be able to find it at the same time. And then I'll use like the cloth bag or a larger bag to uh, put my dirty clothes in and I will keep the dirty clothes separate then from my what's in my suitcase when I'm um, when I'm in the hotel, and if I forget a bag or my dirty clothes, I'll use their dry cleaning bag, and that works really well uh, as well. Um, and that way, I keep my clothes separate. I personally don't necessarily like putting things in the drawers um, because then I might forget something or I might not see something that's left there. Um, I do hang up clothes on the hangers in the closet. Does that help? Yes, thank you very much. Uh, next question. This is Ken. Go right ahead, Ken. Yeah, can I add a couple things? Not questions. Um, I agree with schedule ahead of time on the hotel to ask for room near the elevator, so I always do that. And when I arrive and the person shows me, comes to the room with me, one of the things I'm making, sure to ask about is the thermostat. You know, where is it and what's the temperature it's set for so I know about that. That's something that's uh, valuable to me. And then uh, where the different things are located in the room, like in the bathroom, which is the thing that has the uh, mouthwash versus the uh, deodorant and that kind of thing. Sometimes they all feel alike, so it helps to know which is which. And then in terms of airplanes, I prefer to sit on the aisle because I can communicate better with the flight attendant during the trip, like when she's delivering snacks or food or something. She can help me locate things uh, much better if she's standing right next to me. And I'm reminded of a story that a fellow had once, a blind guy, and the flight attendant put a plate, his dinner in front of him, and she said, you know about how to describe where things are on a plate, like what's at 6 o'clock, what's at midnight, what's at 3 o'clock. He said yes, and she said, good, and she walked away <laughs> without telling him. Mm. <laughs> oh, no. But, Thank uh, you, Ken. Yeah. Very good. Uh, other questions? This is Grady. Hey, Grady, go right ahead. Uh, and and uh, more or less, uh, um, the... Uh, I always use pre-boarding assistance. Have you ever considered doing that? Yes, I do do that. Yeah, so she does it the same way that you do, Grady, pre-boarding assistance. You know, uh, Kathy, get back to that question about packing. I know you said that you prefer to put what you have brought onto the plane under the seat in front of you. Do you use, uh, is it like a backpack, or do you use like a roller type of a case? What what do you actually put your clothes in that you take onto the plane? I actually, I tend to take a suitcase that I check, and then I have a carry-on. And in the carry-on, I may take a, 
you know, an extra sweatshirt, uh, something to keep me warm. Uh, I will, if I'm not wearing socks, I will put a pair of socks in there to put on my feet. Um, and I, I usually have other like snacks and the water and you know other things like that. Uh, my <laughs> iPhone uh, that takes up room too. <laughs> and it's a. I used a. a my mom actually. <laughs> funny story. I was visiting my parents who lived in Hawaii, and I ran out of room because I bought so much stuff. <laughs> and so I needed a larger carry-on bag, and my mom had quilts, and she had quilted a really nice, uh, fun, um, multicolored quilt uh, bag. As a quilting bag, and it's great. I can put, I can fill so much stuff in it, and it's really moldable, so that it fits in tight places and things. I love it. Yeah, I wear out the handle. <laughs> wow, that's great. I would love to sit next to a person like you who brings a lot of good snacks on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> but watch out for chocolate because it can melt quite easily. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, if it gets hot. The other thing that might be helpful that I uh, I actually do as a you know, as a young person, as a teenager traveling, and sometimes traveling uh, with the uh, I travel I swam with the um, United States Association of Blind Athletes. And really? We saw that. Yes, and we traveled, you know, and so my um, out of the country as well as other states, and we were always having to put a bow on our on our luggage. And I just thought it was so embarrassing as a, as a teenager. I was like, oh, jeez. Well, now I love it because I put a uh, like a Christmas bow on, a pretty bow, and I know what color it is, and I know the color of my suitcase, which is really important to know that, so that when you get the, you know, the, you know even in the shuttle, you can say it's the suitcase with the bow, you know, with the oh. green polka dot, you know, green and gold bow, or, yeah. you know, with, uh, when the baggage claim, telling the person uh, assisting you, it's the suitcase with the green gold bow, and it's so helpful because all the suitcases are black or blue now. Yeah, that's a great idea. That is really good. Jeez. How come I didn't think of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, what you learn, you learn to appreciate as an adult, right? <laughs> I want to ask you then, Kathy, what, what race did you swim? Oh, I swam... A number of different strokes. I was a medium distance swimmer mostly, and I swam the backstroke and the individual medley uh, and the breaststroke uh, and the um, the short distance butterfly. Wow, you're very talented. That's impressive. Uh, next Thank question you. for uh, Kathy. Hey, Kathy, it's Leslie. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. Good talk as always. It's, I've heard you many times, and it, it's always good. So, um, I just wanted to give you a tip that I had just recently learned um, uh-huh. traveling, and I met some people in Key West, and she had bought many things, so she actually shipped her dirty clothes home. Oh, right. packing them. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. She had bought, if you lose them, clothes, oh well. Yeah, if you lose them, it's okay. You won't have to wash them. <laughs> actually put them in something and, and shipped them home, and, and the uh-huh. hotel actually helped her ship them home. And I thought, this is an interesting new feature. So <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's great. great. That's yeah. really good. I never thought of that. 
but I always love enjoy working out with Kathy. We've we've been in many gyms together and 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 figured out many machines. So I look forward to seeing you in Rochester. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. It's always fun. Yeah. Yep. The other thought that I have uh, from you know mentioning about the hotel is that sometimes you need to. Um, you know, check in. You can check in 24 hours in advance or something. You can always ask the hotel front desk if they have a place where you can print out your boarding tickets. And is there somebody that could assist you with um, with doing, you know, navigating and doing that if you feel comfortable with the person seeing your information? Oh, okay. But you. you- you're putting some inf- private information in there, so I, you know, so you need to feel comfortable um, having a somebody from the hotel um, seeing that information if you want to to do that. But with the pre-boarding, it's not as much of a deal, right? Yes, because you get a good seat. Yes, that's right. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Other questions for Kathy? Yes, yeah, this is Linda. Yeah, Linda, go right ahead. I was wondering if you use any particular apps. For navigation when you travel? Actually, I personally do not. Um, I know a, lot, a number of people that do, and I know that um, actually Google, you know, Google Walking is pretty good. I, I did use that when I was in San Antonio, Texas uh, with some folks, and that took, I was really impressed. It really took us right to the restaurant that we were going to. Um, I know, you know, there are a number of, of ones out there. And I think others would be better at sharing that because I really haven't done that much exploring. Um, personally, when I travel, I don't really use my um, my iPhone that much um, or technology that much because I want to experience the the adventure of being there, uh, you know, myself. Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Candy, mm-hmm. I missed it. Maybe uh, evidently I was already, uh did, did you say how did you did you say you got medicine through security or did you say did you say needles or things like that? Yes, the medication. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I did get medication through security. Uh, of course, I put them all in this in a same plastic bag, you know, container, and then I I needed I had some medication they needs to stay refrigerated, and so I froze grapes. And I then um, put the grapes in a different bag and kept the grapes around the medication. Oh, and sort of use use them like a like a call pack. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I guess you could use cantaloupe or you know um, other melons as well. I think would work similarly. That's that's brilliant. That's that's a brilliant one. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna freeze some grapes and put my beer in there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you could take that on the plate though. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see. Any other questions here for Kathy? Yes. Hi. Uh, this is Charlie, and um, I, I joined the call a little late, and uh, I wanted to know if you had any tips for. Um, um, getting uh, from the shuttle bus to the uh, chicken count from there to the gate. Yes, I did share that when I take the shuttle bus, the driver, if they, if the driver can uh, escort me to the ticket counter or to a uh, a person who works inside the building, and they they do. 
I do um, provide them with a tip as well for doing that. Uh, and at the ticket counter, you can ask for a sighted guide assistance, and they will a, a runner, uh, and they will uh, escort you to the uh, the the gate as well. Okay, thank you. Uh, I did say that I also um, like to do some things be between the ticket counter and the gate. So I'll go to the restroom, I'll buy a bottle of water, I, you know, I'm, I'll buy a mocha, you know, something like that. So you can ask for for to do those things as well. And just for any of you who are also tuned in late. Uh, this particular podcast is going to be up on the CCLVI webpage. So we will have this podcast as well as all of our other podcasts in the past that are up and available. Or if you also, you could also find them at the Airs LA website, www.airsla.org. Or again, just go to the CCLVI website. Well, Kathy, this has been very, very helpful. And if anybody else has other questions that they might want to ask you, do you have an a email that they might be able to contact you and they could ask you questions that way? Sure. I have, my email address is C as in Charlie, L as in Larry, S as in Sam, W as in um, Whitaker, H as in Harry, I as in Igloo, T is in Tom, A is in Apple, K is in Kite, E is in Edward, R is in Romeo, at gmail.com. Very good. Very and if good. I may, if I may share another tip and a little story. Yeah. If I, if I may, so I traveled to New Zealand with a friend uh, uh, in January, and she, I always knew that she was shorter than I am. But she was going to be my sighted guide, and we were going hiking and different things. And when we we got there and started, went on our first hike, I realized that she was shorter than I thought she was. Her <laughs> sole is really big, but she's really short. <laughs> she's like four nine, and I'm five six. Oh. And so it was really awkward having to bend down and her having to stretch, and it just wasn't working well, uh, trying to hike over rocks and things. <laughs> and fortunately, we were with some other friends, and um, another friend saw, and he's like, Kathy, let's hike back together, you know, once we had had our break. And it was so much easier to hike with him because, he, you know, he was six feet tall, and it felt so much more comfortable. Yeah. And so afterwards, we both realized it. And she's like, it looks so much easier with him than it felt. And I'm like, yeah, it was. So my suggestion is if you're going with a friend and that friend is going to be guiding you, really test out the what that experience will be like. Have that person, you know, kind of just walk around some with that person and see, does, it, does that height difference feel okay? Yeah, that's certainly true. Otherwise, you'll have a sore back if you're leaning over that much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, well, Kathy, this has been excellent. And uh, all of you who have been on the call this evening, we really, really appreciate it. And we hope that you join us next month when we talk more about low vision. <laughs> 